Hi, I'm Jen White, and this is Reset. In a rare bipartisan move, late yesterday, the U.S. Senate unanimously passed a $2 trillion emergency bill. It would grant economic relief to individuals, families, and businesses dealing with the novel coronavirus pandemic. The so-called CARES Act, once approved by the House and signed by the president, would be the largest economic rescue package in American history. This comes as the Labor Department this morning announced that nearly 3.3 million Americans applied for unemployment benefits last week. That's more than quadruple the previous record set in 1982. Some economists predict the unemployment rate could go as high as 30 percent. That would match levels during the Great Depression. I checked in with Congressman Brad Schneider, who represents Illinois' 10th district in Lake County, and I started out by asking him how the stimulus bill helps hospitals in Illinois access the resources they need, including ventilators and personal protective equipment. All of our uh, frontline uh, healthcare workers, the, the doctors, the nurses, the, the orderlies, the people who are bringing food to, to patients and, and making sure we're keeping our hospital uh, clean, they, they need and deserve to know that they're, they're in a, a safe work environment and, and doing everything they can to help, help us. Uh, the, the CARES Act, uh, within the CARES Act, it was a priority to make sure we got those resources. The, the Democrats were uh, adamant about that. We secured $100 million uh, in new grants for hospitals and, and health care providers, which can be used to purchase um, the, this personal protective equipment. And just as a reminder, these are the masks and gowns and gloves, the, the face shields, the, the basic everyday things that uh, we too often took for granted but now understand is so uh, critical. It increases funds for the strategic, strategic national stockpile of these. Uh, the federal government, I think, announced they were releasing 5 million masks, but we need to get more. Uh, and uh, it, it authorizes the FDA to prioritize, prioritize medical device reviews. Uh, right now, the FDA is um, uh, required to report on supplies of medicines. Uh, this is something that uh, my, I and my team identified uh, a, a while back, that the same doesn't apply for medical devices, in particular things like ventilators, which are in desperate uh, need right now. And so we pushed to make sure that the FDA had the same authority and responsibility to track supplies, to make sure they are, are where they are and they're getting to where they're needed um, in, in the most effective way. So uh, this bill makes a, a big step and hopefully helps put a dent into the shortage we, shortages we've been seeing in hospitals across Illinois and around the country. What have you been hearing from hospitals and medical professionals in your district about how prepared they're feeling to meet a surge in patients? So one of the first things I did, um, I came back to uh, uh, my, my home in, uh, on, on March 14th. Uh, on Saturday after we voted in the House for the, the second relief bill. On Monday, I, I reached out and spoke to the CEOs of all the hospitals in the area and asking them uh, what they needed, how things were going. And from all of them, I heard this concern about uh, the PPE, the, the protective equipment. Uh, they they want to make sure, first, that the people working in their hospitals are, are protected, the patients coming to the hospitals are protected. It's about infections going both ways, obviously. Um, but they're also concerned that if, if uh, their uh, teams get sick. If doctors, nurses, uh, other people are unable to come into work, it, it only exasperate, exasperates the situation we're facing. So I, I really want to applaud Governor Pritzker on his leadership on this, this issue. Uh, he has been uh, out front speaking about this. Uh, I have pushed the administration uh, on this. In fact, I had a, a chance to uh, ask uh, Secretary, Health, 
Health and Human Services Secretary Azar in a hearing on, on February 27th, what they were doing to ensure we had this supply. Um, and uh, I'll also take this moment to talk to the listeners, to everybody, please don't uh, buy this uh, PPE for yourself. It, it doesn't help us at home or in our everyday lives, but it will be, it's, it could mean the difference of uh, uh, getting better or not getting better when we go to the hospital. We need to make sure we're preserving it for our, our frontline healthcare workers. So you've had some time to look at what's in the CARES Act. And I'm curious from your perspective, who stands to benefit the most from this? Is it Wall Street or, or is it Main Street? Thank you. That, that's a, a critical question. Um, I, I've been reviewing the bill, bill since it came out last evening. Uh, and uh, the one thing I can say for certain, the first draft of this bill that uh, uh, Mitch McConnell introduced over the weekend uh, was uh, very much tilted towards uh, towards Wall Street. Uh, with uh, the changes that were made, the, the pressure that came from House Democrats and with the help of the Senate Democrats, I think we, we reoriented the emphasis to, to, to Main Street, to working families, uh, to individuals, to the, the small businesses that make up our communities, to make sure that they're getting the help they need to get through this crisis, uh, to provide uh, basic necessities of food and medicines and shelter uh, to themselves and their families, and that our small businesses uh, are going to be able to hopefully maintain the viability that when we are on the other side of this, that they can quickly stand up, bring back their employees that they've kept on their payroll, and hopefully uh, re- re- return uh, our nation's economy and the nation itself to good health. We spoke to Arthur Delaney from HuffPost just a moment ago, and he pointed out the fact that the stimulus checks that, that will go to most Americans, it's based on tax returns. And for people who are lower income who may not have filed a tax return because they haven't, they, they make so little money, they, they don't actually have to pay taxes, those people could fall through through a gap. So what's being done to address that? Uh, it's a, a, an important question. And in addition to um, making sure that we were focused on, on working families and, and local communities, $150 billion going to state and local communities as well, uh, the, the CARES Act uh, expands unemployment insurance uh, in addition to that direct, direct payment. Uh, it, for a number of people, even though they um, uh, didn't have last year sufficient income to pay taxes, they do have a tax ID, a Social Security number. They, they do file a return um, and, and oftentimes more than not uh, get a, a refund. Uh, so the, the um, IRS has people's location. That's one of the reasons that uh, the funding is, is going through there, that those people uh, will, will get their checks. Um, but there are still going to be, be gaps. Uh, I've described this in many ways, that uh, we are, are, are in the best of times. What we're trying to do is put round poles into round pegs into to square holes. There's uh, going to be corners that uh, are, are, are left uh, in the gaps. Our job is to continue to work to, to close those gaps and make sure that we're taking care of everybody. And that's why this is a big bill. It's a $2 trillion bill uh, addressing a, a problem like we've never seen before. We saw it today in the uh, jobless numbers that spiked to almost 3.3 million uh, individuals, and we can expect that number to grow. Uh, so we will continue to work to make sure that we are providing people the ability to care for their families, to care for themselves, that we're providing our, our um, Main Street businesses, the small, medium-sized businesses, uh, as well as industries being affected, uh, the, the path to maintain their viability and, and help us uh, recover when we get through this crisis. 
but I, I can say that it, it's critical. Uh, my colleagues in the House have all, all been talking about this. We need to make sure that we're taking care of families and, and people first, and we'll continue to do that. A Congressman, a Treasury Secretary, Stephen Mnuchin, says he, he may require the major airlines to give the government a stake in their companies in order to receive a bailout. What are your thoughts on that? So I, I saw the headline. I've been uh, working on uh, on the phones all day, so I haven't had a chance to, to read the details. But uh, you know, I'll say this. It is the American taxpayers who are um, being asked to help uh, uh, the industries that are being impacted uh, by this. It's critical for those taxpayers, for uh, Congress itself, to maintain oversight, to ensure that uh, uh, the money we are investing in, in, in these industries is going to protect the workers in those industries and, and not leading to what we saw in the uh, 2008 crisis where companies use those dollars for bonuses or, or stock buybacks. Uh, we are trying to, to navigate this. So that, that oversight is going to be in, in critically important. And so I, I think it's appropriate that we look for mechanisms to ensure that the, the American people uh, who are, are uh, have a, a stake in the, the future of the success of these businesses of all sizes um, uh, are, are well protected and, and well represented. Uh, and and uh, I think it's important that uh, people understand that is a, a piece of this package, but it's not the whole package. And the emphasis continues to be in uh, strengthening our health care system, protecting workers and their families, uh, helping our small businesses and our communities, and, and helping the state and local communities that are, are being so adversely affected uh, by this. Well, the bill includes $350 billion in loans for small businesses. You're on the House Small Business Committee. Can you, can you walk us through how that provision works? I can, and uh, $350 billion is a, a significant amount. Uh, one of the people I was talking to today to point out that uh, if you took all of our businesses under 500 uh, employees, that amounts to uh, a, a little more than six weeks of payroll. So it's a significant amount, but it's a critically necessary amount. Uh, the, the, the bill provides a, a loan program administered through the SBA. Uh, it allows uh, uh, small companies, companies under 500 employees, to apply for a federally-backed loan uh, capped at $10 million that can be used for payroll, rent, health benefits, uh, insurance premiums, etc. Uh, the loans are, do not require personal guarantees. They do not require collateral. Uh, they are forgivable if certain conditions are met, in particular maintaining employees uh, after this crisis, and to the extent they do it 100 percent, they're eligible for 100 percent forgiveness. And there's a formula um, if uh, companies uh, uh, reduce their payroll, it reduces the amount of, of forgiveness. Um, there, there's an effort in the bill to uh, expand the reach uh, so it's not just uh, traditional bank lenders but uh, other lenders that uh, have uh, the ability to support our small businesses. It's eligible to any business as well as nonprofit organizations uh, under 500 um, employees. Uh, there's a special uh, mention for uh, companies owned by veterans, by women, uh, minority, and, and companies in special um, uh, in uh, uh, communities that, that have a, a need for additional resources. Um, the, the max I mentioned is a cap at $10 million, but it's two and a half uh, months, two and a half times the monthly payroll uh, is, is the max anyone can take. Uh, and, and, and in terms of interest rates and how much time businesses would have to, to pay the government back? So it's interest and, um, and principal is deferred uh, at least six months to a year. Uh, and as I mentioned, that full amount can be forgiven without any impact on uh, credit. In fact, uh, the forgiven amount is excluded from income, so it's not, not as, as deemed income. Uh, and uh, uh, it is in addition to um, 
uh, any disaster loan amount uh, they have. But there are uh, factors in, in the bill that would uh, avoid uh, duplication of applications. So uh, we're trying to make sure that people can't double dip, but that we're getting as much money uh, to the, the small businesses to keep them viable and make sure they're, they're standing and, and getting back to work as soon as possible. And how would small businesses apply for this assistance? So there's um, a, a loan program that's still being developed. Uh, I think uh, the bill will, is hopefully going to pass the House um, tomorrow. Uh, and at, at that point, uh, the small business is going to reach out to, to banks. Uh, the, there will be online uh, processes, but the, the details uh, still have to be released. In addition, there is uh, within the bill the authority for the Treasury Secretary to authorize additional lenders. Uh, and those details would also have to come out uh, once the, the bill is final. So as the bill stands right now, would you vote for it, or are there additional changes you'd like to see? So it's a great question. Yes, there's additional changes I'd like to see. Um, there, the, the bill is far from perfect, but it's a major step forward. So uh, I, I would vote for this bill. I will vote for this bill, uh, and I will continue to work to um, uh, close the gaps to, to move us forward and, and make sure that we maintain the oversight. Uh, one of the things that was a, a sticking point in the uh, bill getting through the Senate, for example, was this $500 billion uh, fund uh, originally to be uh, managed by uh, uh, Secretary Mnuchin. Uh, I think the compromise there was that there would be a um, inspector general would have uh, oversight over the fund and the allocation of those funds, and there'd be uh, a panel of five uh, appointed by Congress that would uh, be involved as well. Uh, I'm going to continue to make sure that what we do, uh, we do in an urgent way, that we include the safe, the guardrails and, and stop gaps uh, to make sure that there's accountability uh, as well as authorities, and that uh, we don't stop and assume that we, what we've done is enough. We need to continue to think this forward. The, the crisis is evolving very rapidly. It, it's hard to think that um, uh, we were in a completely different place a month ago or, or two months ago. Uh, we need to be thinking forward and, and taking steps to address the crisis, uh, get through uh, the immediate stage to um, uh, back to, uh, on our feet, and then ultimately there's going to be a time for recovery, and I'm going to work on all of those things. Well, with that in mind, President Trump held a town hall with Fox News yesterday. He said that he thinks the economy will be able to open back up sooner rather than later. Let's listen. You would like to be back to normal by Easter Sunday. Yes. That's 19 days from now. It's okay. Is that true? Is that possible? Or is I that think false it's possible. Out? Why isn't it? I mean, we've never closed the country before, and we've had some pretty bad flus, and we've had some pretty bad viruses, and I think it's absolutely possible. Now, people are going to have to practice all of the uh, social distancing and don't shake hands and wash your hands and all of the things that we're doing now, but we have to get our country back to work. And, and again, the cure... It's it's like this cure is is worse than the problem. Congressman, this doesn't fall in line with what experts are saying on the subject. What are your thoughts on the president's comments? Look, I think we have to follow science based um, uh, evidence based policy or we have to develop policy based on science and evidence. And uh, I'm going to rely on on the experts. Uh, I shared uh, yesterday there was um, in, the, in the Daily Herald a, a graph that I, I pushed out that just showed the power of social distancing. And uh, the example they highlighted is uh, uh, if you reduce exp- um, uh, exposure and in, 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 you know, personal interaction by 50%, 75%, uh, without any action, 
uh, one infected person in uh, 30 days would uh, lead to over 400 people uh, being infected at the end of the month. If we reduce that exposure by 50%, uh, the same one person uh, would infect fewer people, and ultimately at the um, the end of a month, you would have 15 people infected. And if we get to 75%, which I believe it's got to believe that's what we're close to now in Illinois, at the end of 30 days, less than three people would be infected. That's the impact. And we, we started this conversation talking about the shortage of the protective equipment for our healthcare workers. Our healthcare workers are, are, are on the front lines and they're seeing the demands for their services and time, but also uh, critical devices such as those ventilators uh, being pushed to the limits. And if we, do, if we have more sick people than we have uh, healthcare workers and ventilators, for an example, we're going to have many more deaths. This is about a matter of life and death. So, but Congressman, what does it mean for the long-term recovery of the country if you have one set of information coming from the President of the United States, and then you have governors like Governor Pritzker, uh, Governor Cuomo, who are following the advice of health experts? What does that mean for, for the nation? Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to be partisan on this. You have uh, governors like Cuomo and, and Governor Pritzker, but also Governor Mike DeWine of, of Ohio. It, it is not a partisan thing. It is governors understanding what's at stake uh, for their, their uh, individual states, but also for the nation as a whole, that if we don't address this, uh, it, it could devastate not just our health care system, but our entire population. And so we need we need leaders at all levels. We need people who are going to uh, tell their constituents, whether it's me as a congressman talking to 700,000 people, a governor talking to 16 million, or a president talking to the entire nation, we need the facts. Uh, we need the facts laid out clearly, and we need to rely on the experts. Because if we do that, then people will make the proper decisions. They will do the social distancing, the physical separation. Uh, but they will also understand, and this is important, I think Governor Pritzker has been really outstanding on this message. Uh, the American people are strong people. We are an incredible uh, nation that has found solutions to some of the greatest uh, challenges civilization has faced over the last 200 years. We will continue to do this, and we have brilliant scientists. We have good um, uh, leaders at the uh, municipal level. We have great doctors and nurses, and and, and I want to call out the people who are, are filling our, our shelves at the grocery stores, keeping us safe by um, policing our streets and responding to uh, emergencies, fire department and, and police departments. All of those people define who we are as a nation, and it is that people that is going to get through this. And it's the leadership uh, at all levels of government uh, who are going to remind us that uh, as a nation, as communities, as um, uh, neighbors helping neighbors, uh, there's nothing we can't tackle, and we will get through this, and we will get through this and be strong and continue the story that has defined this country for more than 200 years. That's Illinois' 10th District Congressman Brad Schneider joining us to discuss the economic stimulus package. Congressman, thanks for speaking with us. Be well. Jen, thank you. Be safe, be strong, and stay healthy. And that's today's Reset. For the latest on COVID-19 in Chicago and beyond, go to wbez.org slash coronavirus. I'm Jen White. Stay safe, and let's talk again soon.